0: As we're talking about MVPs of the OT, last week we talked about Abraham. Today we're fast forwarding 400 years to the life of Moses. And I think if we're all honest, um, we all want to be MVPs in life, don't we? Like if we just think about our funeral, I mean, I'm talking about sad stuff, but if you could like fast forward and, 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 and see your funeral, you'll be at your funeral, except you'll be dead. So you won't get to hear the speeches, right? But if you could hear the speeches given at your funeral, I'm guessing all of us, if we're honest, would say you'd want somebody at your funeral to see you as the most valuable player in something in your life. Like you would want somebody at your funeral to be like, you know what? He was the most valuable piece of our family. You know, as a dad, he held it all together. As a mom, she was the MVP. Maybe a coworker shows up and says, Listen, of all the people on our team, she was the absolute MVP. You want that stuff said at your funeral. None of us are trying to live our life to get the end of it. And somebody, their speech at your funeral is like, yeah, you know, probably four, uh, maybe four out of four out of ten. What I would say, his parenting. You know what I mean? No one wants that. You don't want your coworkers coming and be like, as a boss. I mean, I would say below average, but uh, at least I had a job. You don't want that said about you at your funeral. We all want to be MVPs. We really do. But I think if we're honest, most of us don't have a real idea how to live an MVP life. We have some thoughts. And especially as it comes to, like, God, like, how do, you, how do you get to be a most valuable player in this whole thing that God is doing? Well, I think it comes down to answering three questions correctly, which is where we're going to go today in the life of Moses. Is The first question I think you have to answer correctly to, to be on the MVP track is you have to decide this. Whose plan is most valuable to you? Whose plan has the most value in your life, your plan for your life or God's plan for your life? And multiple times today, I'm going to ask you just to get honest with God and not play games. And if, if you come to the end of the night, to, to this morning, and you go, you know what? God's plan is not the most valuable plan of my life. I value what I want to do more. At least be honest about it, okay? The other question you have to answer is, whose presence do I value most? Like, is it, is it God's presence that I value most in my life? Or is it the presence of Benjamin Franklin, as in money or power or fame? or relationships with other people? What is it that I actually value most as far as presence in my life? The third thing I want you to come to grips with is this, is is whose performance do you value most in your life? Your performance, your behavior, your life, or do you value God's performance in your life? The answer to those three questions, if you answer them right, I believe actually sends you on a path to live an MVP life and we're going to follow the life of Moses and see how it worked out for him. Because he definitely qualifies as MVP material. If you look at the life of Moses, we're going to look at it quickly. It's in the book of Exodus. It's the second book of the Bible. I read most of it this week. It actually reads pretty fast because it's exciting stuff. So I would say this week, maybe flip through the book of Exodus and read it. You're going to get the whole story of Moses. It's pretty fascinating. We're going to get some highlights this morning very quickly. But I mean, he did some amazing stuff. We'll read today about the burning bush whole situation, which was cool. He led God's people through the Red Sea at part. They went through dry ground. Pretty awesome, right? He's the Ten Commandments guy, right? Got the Ten Commandments. That's pretty big. He's had some movies made about him. You know, that's pretty awesome. He even led God's people for 40 years through the wilderness, right to to the entry point of the promised land. He had an MVP existence, but it didn't start very well if you look at the start of Moses' life, you're not thinking to yourself, this looks like an MVP start. Let's check it out. Starts in Exodus chapter 2. A man from the family of Levi married a Levite woman. The woman became pregnant and had a son. She saw that there was something special about him and hid him. She hid him for three months. When she couldn't hide him any longer, she got a little basket boat made of papyrus, waterproofed it with tar and pitch, and and placed the child in it, Then she set it afloat in the reeds at the edge of the Nile River. Time out, why are we hiding babies in baskets and floating them down rivers? It's a good question. The baby in the basket is Moses. Here is the contextual situation that's happening here, and it doesn't work out to be a very good plan if you're looking that your life is gonna be an MVP situation. Last week, Abraham, he started this whole connection with God. We've now fast forwarded 400 years. God's people have gone to Egypt because there was a famine hundreds of years before this and they began to populate. God blessed them and now they're a huge part of the Egyptian culture and the Pharaoh that is now over Egypt is not happy about it and he says, listen, these Israelite people are growing too much and they're going to take over. I'm concerned. Here's my plan is if a Hebrew baby is born and it's a girl, it can live. If a Hebrew baby is born and it's a boy, let's kill it. That'll be the way that we hold down their population. So Moses is born in a time where just his birth is a death sentence for him because he's a boy. The crazy part is there's all these amazing parallels between Moses's life and Jesus's life. Because if you remember when Jesus was born, there was actually a decree made that all Hebrew babies must be killed as well. Interesting stuff. Bible trivia. Check it out. But for Moses, you look at this and you go, man, I don't know how God's going to work in that situation. And I don't know about you, but I'm guessing none of us have a situation in our life as dire as that. To try to find God's plan for our life. But let's see how God works it out. The baby's older sister found herself a vantage point a little way off and watched to see what would happen. Pharaoh's daughter came down to the Nile to bathe, and her maiden strolled on the bank. She saw the basket floating in the reeds and sent her maid to get it. She opened it and saw the child, the baby, crying. Her heart went out to him, and she said, this must be one of the Hebrew babies. Then his sister was before her. Do you want me to go get a nursing mother from the Hebrew so she can nurse this baby for you? The Pharaoh's daughter said, yes, go. The girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter told her, take the baby and nurse it for me and I'll pay you. The woman took the child and nursed him. And after the child was weaned, she presented him to Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as her son. She named him Moses, pulled out saying, I pulled him out of the water. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I'm guessing it's not quite that dangerous. And see how God shows up? Moses' mom's like, I don't know what to do, God. This is not the way I think you work, but this is all I can do because I don't want him to die, so here we go. And then he floats down the river and the most powerful person in the the whole kingdom there of Egypt, his daughter happens to find her. And then before you know it, you're getting paid to nurse your own child in Pharaoh's palace. If God can figure that out, I'm guessing he can figure out whatever is going on in your life. But whose plan do you value even when the plan doesn't seem to be working out? I think probably this morning we all fall into one of three categories. is either you had a plan for your life and you chased after it and it screwed up real bad. Like you did your plan and you've made a mess of your life and you're here this morning going, uh, Darren, my life is really jacked up right now and I don't know how God can work with this mess. Or, Probably more of us are here and you you had a plan for your life and you pursued it. You went to the college you wanted to. You got the kind of marriage you wanted. Your kids are the way you wanted to do the job that you want. And your life has really the plan you had for your life. You followed it and it's gone smashingly well. And at no point along the path have you really considered that God had a plan for your life. And so you're like, hey, my plan has actually worked well. I'm a little concerned that God might actually get involved in my plan Please keep your distance, God, and your plan for me because my plan's great and working. Then there might be some others of us here that you you have a plan and you've been asking God for this plan. God, I want to be married by the end of this year. I want the kids. This is the kind of job I want. This is the college I want to go to. This is the way I want this to work. I want this thing right here. God, give me this plan. This, This has to be the plan. God, give it to me. And God's not giving you this plan and you're mad at him. You're saying, God, I don't value your plan. I value this plan, and I want you to make it my plan. When we do that, things get a little dicey, and they did for Moses jump back into his story. Time passes, and Moses grows up, and one day he went and saw his brother, saw that they had hard labor. And then he saw an Egyptian hit a Hebrew, one of his relatives, and he looked this way and that, and when he realized there was no one in sight, he killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. Then the next day he went out again. Two Hebrew men were fighting, and he spoke to the man who started it Hey, why are you hitting your neighbor? And the man shot back. Who do you think you are telling us what to do? Are you going to kill me the way you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses panicked. Word had gotten out. People know about this. Pharaoh heard about it, and he tried to kill Moses, but Moses got away to the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. The Bible doesn't say this. And so I'm I'm making this up. I just want you to know this. It doesn't necessarily say this in the Bible, but I could see it being the case for Moses here, maybe. He grows up in Pharaoh's palace. He sees how God's people are mistreated for his whole life. And I just wonder, maybe, maybe not, but did Moses have a moment before he went out and killed this Egyptian where he thought to himself, I'm gonna help God. I've got a good plan that might be better than God's plan. I'll go out and I'll save God's people and I'll do it one Egyptian at a time. Maybe he didn't have that thought, but maybe he did. Have you ever had a good thought that wasn't a God thought in your life? And you went after a plan and then realized, oh boy. If that's you this morning, here's the good news. Even if you chased after a good plan that wasn't God's plan and it jacked up your life and you're like Moses, you've escaped, you're sitting by a well thinking there's no way that I'm on an NVP plan. God can even work in that. We had a chance to sit down with Joe Wright's uh, great MVP here locally, went to Hamilton Southeastern High School, was an all-star there, went to Western Michigan, then got drafted and played seven years for the Colts. And he uh, took some time this week to just talk about this MVP life and what it means to trust God's plan. Check it out.
1: Hey, we want to welcome you here at the Mercy Road Church, and I'm excited to have Joe Wright's offensive tackle for the Indianapolis Colts for a number of years. He's got to work with a lot of incredible NFL uh, players, and he's coming to talk to us a little bit about his faith as we do week two of our MVPs of the OT Teaching Series. So, you know, Joe, thanks for doing this, man. And yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'd, I'd love for the viewers uh, everybody to get to know you a little bit. I know everybody probably is familiar with you and watching you on TV, yep. but... You played for the Colts for how many years? Seven years. So I played 2010, 2016
2: and retired, um, you know, in March of this past year.
1: Okay, so for seven years, you, you got to play with some of the greats out there. Like, I mean, the quarterbacks, that have, who yeah. all did you get to play with? Yeah, you know, so I came in and, you know, Peyton Manning, Dwight Freeney,
2: Dallas Clark, Reggie Wayne, you know, all those guys are part of the team. And then wow. in 2012, you know, we transitioned, Coach Pagano came in and then came in Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton. Dwayne Allen, Kobe Fleener, Jack Doyle, and all these guys. So I was really lucky to kind of be a part of two eras with the Colts and play with some really good people, you know, win a lot of games. Uh, Never made it to the Super Bowl, right, that's the one one regret uh, I wish I would have been. Just there after the 2006. Yeah, I, yeah, the, yeah. the furthest I got was the AFC Championship. That was the infamous uh, deflate gate game. Uh, uh, so that, uh, that was uh, the furthest game, uh, you know, that, that I played. Wait, do you have any research? Did you ever touch the ball? Did it feel a little... I don't. I, I like to tell people, though, you know, the Patriots won the Super Bowl
1: that year. If they didn't deflate the footballs, that might have been our ring, you know, we're wearing. So That's, right. uh, That's right. okay. Life isn't always easy. Right. right. And you shared a little bit about... Getting cut by the Ravens, I'd like you to talk a little bit about that. Today we're talking about Moses, and I just can't imagine being faced with the things that Moses was faced with, and the leadership that he demonstrated through that. And I think a lot of us are faced with a lot of difficulties in life, and getting through those moments, a uh, relationship with Jesus is really the difference maker for me as a pastor. So, talk about like what did that look like when you went through a difficult season uh, with
2: the Ravens? Yeah, and it was tough. you know. So I was in Baltimore in 2008. You know, the first year I was on the practice squad, I got surgery on my shoulder, You know, so I was out for the season. The second year I'm on the practice squad, and so the practice squad is kind of like it's kind of like the JV team. You do everything, you practice every day, you work out, but on game day you're on the sidelines in street clothes. You don't get a for the game, so you're not actually a part of the roster. And so, you know, I spent three years on the practice squad and, you know, three years worrying every, you know, because practice squad, they're bringing guys in, they're cutting guys, it's, it's very fluid. And so, every week I was, you know, hopeful that I had another job and, and hopeful, but through that all, you know, I had to spend a ton of time on God. And I had to realize that, hey, I I can't control this, right? I got to give it up to God. And through that, I think that's when I really forged the strength of my faith, and between that and my wife. You know, my wife, we were engaged at the time, but she was still in college at Western Michigan where we met. And so, you know, I was kind of on my own there. And so between, you know, prayer and phone calls with her, those were my two sources of strength. And and that really got me through. And then I look back now and had seven great years with the Colts. you know wonderful and and sometimes i think i forget that it, it was really really hard for those couple years it, it was a lot of trials and like i said relied on god and, and yeah. god was my rock and, and i know how hard it was for me with a strong faith and so that's why like you said life is hard yeah. and if we don't have faith if we don't have something higher i don't know how people can do it you yeah. know because i think you have to have something that you can lean on and be a rock that's always there and i found in my life god's always there
1: that's incredible, man. And I just, I couldn't imagine who would think you'd go from getting, getting cut, being the practice squad to being a starter for the Indianapolis Colts and being in an AFC championship game and doing some of the incredible things you did in your career. And you know, I just wonder how many people are out there that you're watching this and like Moses, you faced some difficult decisions and tough times or like Joe, you've had to walk through some really hard seasons and God's not done with you. He, he could go on to use you to do some some pretty incredible things yeah i'm, I'm a big believer that god has a
2: plan for everybody and a lot of times it, it far surpasses our plan for ourselves you know like i said when i was in baltimore i was just hoping i got a shot with the ravens but lo and behold god led me through some bumpy roads back to indianapolis my hometown where i can raise my family with you know my parents and brothers and sisters around and it's such a blessing and um, i think for that you know, my wife told me one time that god only has he has three answers for prayer he either says yes either says not yet or he says I have something better in mind and for me I was a I was number three right he had something better in mind for me and just uh, so fulfilling and, and that's what happens when we we put our trust in God it's not the easiest thing sometimes and yeah. he said Moses it, <laughs> some tough times man You know, getting out of Egypt and then wandering the desert for 40 years that's that's yeah. a long time slogging around but throughout it all I would say he had you know just an unbelievable trust in God every step of the way and if we do that in our lives Will be fulfilled.
1: I really appreciate you doing this, man, because I know there are some spiritual MVPs out there that are going to hear this story, and I hope it changes your life to become the person God created you to be. Uh, Thanks so much, Jeff, man, for being here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And uh, back to you, Darren. It's been a fun weekend.
0: So, wherever you're at right now, maybe it's a really dark time and you can't see God's plan anywhere near where you are. Know that He has one and He's still at work, and then just be honest today whose plan do you value most? Your plan or God's plan? The story continues, we gotta ask this next question is whose presence is most valuable to us? Jump back in the story with Moses. Moses is now shepherding the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west end of the wilderness. He came to the mountain of God, Horeb. The angel of God appeared to him in flames of fire blazing out of the middle of the bush. And he looked. The bush was blazing away, but it didn't burn up. And Moses said, what's going on here? I can't believe this. It's amazing. Why doesn't the bush burn up? And God saw that he had stopped. So God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. He said, yes, I'm right here. And God said, don't come any closer. Remove your sandals from your feet. You're standing on holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now remember, we're 400 plus years removed from Abraham. And so why is God saying things like this to Why is he saying, Moses, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob? I think it was what God is saying to Moses is, is Moses, listen, I am the God who is present and has been present. He's establishing the importance of his presence in his life. Hey, Moses, here's the deal. I was there 400 years ago. I'm still here now. Guess what? I'm going to always be here. So he continues. Moses hides his face, afraid to look at God. And God says, the Israelite cry from help has come to me. And I've seen for myself how cruelly they're being treated by the Egyptians. And it's time for you to go back. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the people of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses answered God, but why me? What makes you think I could ever go to Pharaoh and lead the children of Israel out of Egypt? And how many of us would be right there this afternoon if God showed up in your backyard in a burning bush, right? Hey, you, here's the deal. It's me, God, in a bush in your backyard. Uh, And uh, we've got some issues in your community. And I'm calling you to go fix it. You would say, but why me, right? God, what made you think that I could do anything to fix that situation? And I love what Moses hears from God. What we'd like God to say is, listen, Moses, you're awesome. You're going to be able to do it. Here's all the reasons that you're great and your abilities and your talents, and it's going to be great and your weaknesses don't matter. You're awesome. Moses, go. God doesn't say that. Moses says, why me? What makes you think I could do anything? And God says this, I'll be with you. (laughs) Excuse me? Could we get a little more than that? Yeah. I got you. I'll be with you. And it's at this point that all of us have to make the decisions of whose presence do I actually value most in my life? God's presence in my life or everything else? Because in this situation, God doesn't tell Moses, it's all going to work out. I'm going to take all your weaknesses away. It's great. No, no, just I'm calling you. You are my solution to this problem, Moses, and go. Because guess what? And hey, I'll be with you. They continue the argument or actually it becomes an argument. God says, hey, listen, Moses, all right, all right, this is going to be proof that I am who sent you. When you've brought the people out of G- Egypt, you'll worship them right here at this very mountain. Then Moses says to God, okay, well, suppose I do go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your father sent me. Uh, and they ask, what is his name? What do I tell them? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. Tell the people of Israel, I am sent me to you. God continued to Moses. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. God, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, sent me to you. This has always been my name and this is how I will always be, will be known. Now be on your way, gather the leaders of Israel and tell them God, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me. I'm looking to what's being done to you in Egypt. and I'm determined to get you out of the affliction of Egypt. Believe me, Moses, they will listen to you. I am that I am. What what, what is that about? Basically, what God is saying is that I am the God who is present. I'm the God who has been present. I'm the God who is present now. And I'm the God who will always be present. I am that I am. And you can go and do what I'm asking you to do, Moses, because I am. Therefore, you can go do this. Here's the deal. we are not enslaved by Egyptian people and forced into hard labor in our culture. However, this week, we as a country once again had our hearts ripped out because we realized that we live in a world where evil And darkness and pain are real. There's not Egyptian slave labor, but there are people enslaved to the spiritual forces of evil. And this morning, there are 17 families trying to wrap their minds around where God's plan is because their family members are dead today. Because someone shot them. I don't know about you, but I watched the news reports this week, and as I'm trying to get my mind around it as a dad and as a as a leader in the community, I'm like, man, what is the solution to this? And if you read Facebook, you're going to have every opinion under this. Well, we got to do this, and we got to pass this law, and we got to have this, and we got to do this, and we got to stand up, and we got to... somebody's got to do something. And so, but I start to feel kind of overwhelmed, like this is so multifaceted. Like, what is the solution, God? What is your plan for stuff like this? And then it came to me. It came to me that God's plan is the same plan that God has had from the beginning and it's God's solution to every single problem that we face in this whole world. Here's God's plan. God's plan is his presence in you in the situation. Christ in you the hope of glory. That's God's plan. Because all the time in the, in the, in the Bible, all, we don't see God really show up and God does it. God does it, but God is always doing it through the life of people that he says, hey, listen, uh, I'm sending you to go there. Well, I can't do this. He says, no, no, that's no, cool. I'll be with you. Just go. So you want to know how we solve a lot of these issues? Do we need to pass laws and this and this? Maybe, but here's what needs to happen. The people of God, which if you're following Jesus, that's you. God is saying to you today, listen, we've got issues in our families, in our communities, in our schools, and in our culture in general. Here's my solution. I need more of my presence in your guys' world. I need my presence in your schools. I need my presence in your in your marriages. I need my presence in your workplace. I need my presence there because where the presence of God is, there is freedom and there is healing and there is love and there is joy and there is peace and there is forgiveness and there's gentleness and there's kindness and there's self-control and there's all the things that make our hearts sing and there are a lot of things in this world that break our hearts but what God's plan is is the same thing he did with Moses he's saying to you today hey guess what I'm sending you to go fix that situation but God uh, it's okay I'll be with you well, God, what if I don't know how to do it? Who's going to teach me how to do it? I am. Well, God, I'm just, I have so much fear in my life, and what, what if I get overwhelmed by fear? Who's going to encourage me? I am. Well, God, I don't have the, 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 the resources. Who's going to provide the resources for what we need to do? I am. Well, God, I got all this stuff in my past. Who's going to forgive me, God, and help me get over the stuff I've gone through? Who can forgive me so I can step into that? He says, I am. I am that I am that I am. And because I am, therefore you can. So for we as a church, what we got to figure out is is not who to email and not what law to pass and not what petition to sign, but what what God's asking you today, I think, maybe I'm wrong. He's asking you, what are you going to do about those situations? Because there's brokenhearted kids that need somebody to be next to them and love them. And when you show up, it's not just you showing up, the presence of God is showing up in their life. And through your life, they see what it means that they have value and they're made on purpose and for a purpose and that God would love them and forgive them in in your present. And that's what the church is. It's not us getting together and listening to some guy or some girl's talk for 30 minutes. We tip God on the way out and think we did something. We get in here so we can go out there and say, my whole deal is showing up with the presence of God in me, a temple of God, an ambassador of Jesus Christ. I'm the salt and the light, the light of the world, the salt of the earth. I come here to represent the living God in all my weaknesses and all my struggles, because the most valuable thing I have in my life is the presence of God. But I tell you what. I don't value his presence all that often, haven't you? I mean, sometimes it's like, all right, we'll get to church 60 minutes on Sunday. Psh, punch the clock. Let's get home. I got the day twenty five hundred to watch this afternoon. Or it's like, man, I did church. And I and I don't know if I want that much of God in my life, to be honest. I mean, it gets weird. <coughs> we got to figure it out. Because you want to know who's figured out their plan? The devil. His plan is to lie and still and kill and destroy everything that is good. And what he would love is for the army and family of God to just keep sitting around and doing nothing. And when the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob Moses and David, Matthew and James and John and Peter and Jesus is saying, I am. Therefore, you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, you can. Because I got a plan. You say, oh, well, Darren, it's, but, but it's the performance is the problem. You didn't see me Friday night. It was not a good performance, it was not MVP. You didn't see me last week with my kids when I lost control and threw that pan of macaroni across the kitchen. You didn't see it, God. I, you, I, my performance is not MVP status for God. And that's what Moses kept saying. If we had another 20 minutes, we'd go through his, his, his next arguments with God. Because they're, they're pretty impressive. Well, let's jump into a few of them real quick. we got 55 seconds. Right? <laughs> Moses ob- objects. They're not going to trust me. They're not going to listen to what I say. They're going to say, God, appear to him? Hardly. And God says, "What's this in your hand?" And the guy gives him some miracles. He says, okay, here's the deal. I want you to take this, and he throws a stick down. It becomes a snake. He picks it back up. He says, "There's miracle one." If they don't believe you, then he's like, "Stick your hand in your shirt. Boom! Pull it out. It's leopardish. He's like, oh, "I got leprosy." Then he puts his hand back in, and it's healed. He's like, "Do those two miracles." If they don't believe you, if they don't believe that one, just put some water for the Nile on the ground. It'll turn to blood, and they'll believe you then. So now, now Moses has God's calling, and he's got in his back pocket three miracles he can pull out to make everybody believe him. All right? And then he's like, uh, uh, "Master, <laughs> please." I don't talk well, I've never been good with words, neither before or after you spoke to me, I stutter and I stammer, send somebody else, I don't have what it takes. And I love the fact that Moses says it like this. He says, neither before nor after you spoke to me. He's saying basically... I had this problem with stuttering, and I still have it after I'm in in the presence of God. Here's the reality. You have some weaknesses that aren't going to be changed by the presence of God in your life. And God says, "I, I, I know your, your, your weaknesses. But what I'm telling you is my strength is made perfect in your weakness and my grace is sufficient. Because what the most valuable thing, if it's my presence, I don't care about your performance and your weakness. I'll take care of it. Look when he says to Moses. I stutter and I stammer, God. And God's like, and who do you think made the human mouth? And who do you think makes some mute and some deaf and some sight and some blind? Isn't it I, God? So get going. I'll be there right with you and with your mouth. No, oh, please, send somebody else, he says. And then God gets angry with Moses. He says, don't you have a brother? And Moses says, "We'll get your brother Aaron. He talks well. Fine, Moses, I'll tell you what to say. You tell Moses, he'll say it. Let's go. And the crazy part is that shortly after this, somewhere in the middle of the 10 plagues, read the story, it's in Exodus, it's great. It's like Moses stops whining and complaining and he just starts obeying. It's like he finally bought into the plan. It's like he finally began to value God's presence. It's like he got past of his performance and stepped into what God was doing. And here's the great news, and we'll close with this. You and I, because of the time that we live in and the covenant with God that we live in, it's actually a better time to serve God than it even was for Moses. Because here's the deal. We don't have to worry, and and our, our merit to be an MVP in God's kingdom isn't based on our performance, it's based on Jesus's. And here's the cool thing about Jesus, he did it perfect. Because of Jesus and his life and his teaching and his death and his resurrection, now every single one of us have confident access to the holy of holies, to the very presence of God, that his spirit would fill us, that we would be temples of the living God to move out and to, be, to go out with his authority and with his power and as ambassadors of him because Jesus did it perfect. We can then step into this and actually follow God's plan, live in his presence and, and our performance is not what God's looking at. God's saying, hey, listen, because my son Jesus did what he did, I am present and therefore you can. So we're going to close right now. We've got a few minutes to worship together. And here's the deal. Here's what I want you to do during these times of, of worship. Eric and the band are going to do two songs. And as they, as they um, allow us to embrace and enjoy the presence of God, uh, you, you can sing along or you can just listen to them sing. But I want you to just have an honest conversation with God. Because my guess is that as I'm talking today that it stuck somewhere for you. That it was either the plan part stuck for you. You were like, yeah, I'm not about to trust God's plan for my life. Or it was the presence piece, and you're like, man, you know what, I've been coming to church now for three weeks, and I can tell that when I'm here, I think the presence of God is here, and I don't know that I want that in my life. For some of you, it's the performance piece, and you came in here, and you, you came in with a pretty strong burden of shame because you did the same thing. You told yourself last Sunday you weren't going to do this week, and you don't think God can work with a broken, messed up person that keeps performing Poorly. And I just want you to be honest as we sing and say, just tell God, because guess what? He already knows. Right? And if it's the if it's the plan part, say, God, would you give me more faith to disbelieve your plan? If it's the presence piece, would would you say to God, God, would you would you make me willing to be made willing to, to desire you more? Would you, this is a dangerous prayer, friend. What about this? What if you said to God, God, I don't value your presence but would you give me an undivided heart for you? Dangerous prayer, friend. Or maybe for you, it's, it's the performance piece. And what you need to say to God is, God, help me to really believe in grace. I don't deserve it. I can't earn it. But you said I have it. Stand with us today. And as God's presence fills this room, I just ask you to be honest with God and let him talk to you. He is here. And he says to you today, I am. Therefore, you can.